Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. From the Talks and Tasting Studios, this is the Clerical Airs Podcast, the show that shows you what's behind the collar. I'm Bull Hagen. This is Vicar. Peter's here. Hey, Pete. Uh, how you doing, Vicar? It's been a busy week. Yeah, busy week. I'm, I'm glad to be here this uh, this day to get into the studio and put the week behind me a little bit. Right. Between uh, extra Bible study, Lenten, um, Advent services, right. funerals. Right. Lots of visits. It's been quite a week. Right. It's probably realistic for me. Yeah, and for the for the listener, we're recording this on Saturday morning, which is always great for the the editor of the podcast. That's okay. <laughs> but uh I texted I texted uh the group chat at what, like nine o'clock last night. Yeah. I just said, Okay, we're recording at ten o'clock, guys. <laughs> <laughs> now or never. <laughs> right. And I had it was on my it was on my list, but you know, with everything going on, I I had to do stuff for mom. Mm. So if this is yesterday, not necessarily what you had to do for mom yesterday. Yeah, it's getting ready for Christmas. We hadn't even had the Christmas tree up yet. Oh, okay. All that stuff. We can't. No we can't find one it. of the letters in the piece. Uh, should I? Should I steal the one from here and bring it? <laughs> <laughs> Borrow <laughs> for the stockings. So it just says, I think, P. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I mean, you know what our basement looks like, trying to find something. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So so if this isn't necessarily the most polished episode, that's why. Gritty. <laughs> uh, so it, it's gritty. gritty. We're recording. That's right. At 10 o'clock tomorrow. The figure it out. <laughs> dark and gritty version. That's right. <laughs> Clerical airs unplugged. <laughs> We're the anti-heroes. Yeah. There's your there's your title. <laughs> Unplugged. That'd be pretty quiet though. <laughs> All right. So, Vicar, what do you have to, to drink there? Okay. This is my default uninteresting beverage. It is a Coors Light. And what to note about it is that it is in the in the aluminum bottle because I do not like drinking from cans because then you're slurping the whole time and I don't want to slurp. Right. <laughs> so this pours. So I do like Coors Light. I, and I can tell it's cold. It is cold, yeah. Because the mountains are blue. Right. Yeah. Does it have that technology? <laughs> can I warm it up with my hand and it'll change color or am I just going to make my hand cold? Actually, well, Berg had a very early podcast. He had a joke about the mountains turning blue. <laughs> I don't remember what that was. Me neither. Yeah. By the way, listeners, if you're interested in, in a beer like Coors Light, uh, go back. Uh, there's an episode where for we actually did a macro brew taste test. Hmm. And uh, that's right. Uh, if you don't want to know who the winner was, plug your ears because I'll tell you. Because if you want to go back and listen and be surprised, the winner was actually Milwaukee's best ice. Believe it or not, I don't believe it. <laughs> we tried, but we 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 tried Budweiser, Bud Light, Miller, Miller Light. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember. Bush Light. Like, we had a bunch of them. A Pabst, bunch of them. Pabst Blue Ribbon, the PBR. I don't remember. Oh, that's it must have been a long time ago because I was eating wheat at that point. Oh. Mm. Oh, yeah, because otherwise you wouldn't have been right, right. in the contest. So, hmm. And I, I have a Sprite here. Wow. One of my mini. You know, ice cold Sprite is surprisingly refreshing. Yeah. Uh, is that one of your theories? That's one of my theories. <laughs> like, right, let's twist this up. And and especially out of the small cans, obviously. 
Like if you want a really good, if you're like, hmm, have an ice cold Sprite uh, from a, either a mini bottle or a <clears> Mexican <throat> Sprite. Yeah. Made with real sugar is also good. I'm like the other way. I've been drinking diet soda pops basically my whole life because my mom drank diet Pepsi and I picked up that pattern from her and I still drink diet sodas like decades later. I have a confirmation class who comes in with like a giant diet Mountain Dew and then like a huge bag of gummy bears. (laughs) (laughs) Pretzels has been making their way into the the younger confirmation class. And then they end up all over the table and on the floor, of course, but pretzels. (laughs) All right. Do you still have kids bringing in like the big monster cans? Like the... No. No, I haven't seen that either. No, that used to be a thing where they'd like be finishing a monster energy drink before class. Great. Then running on like the walls. at six <laughs> o'clock at night. Yeah. Yeah, to... not just a small one, like, or a normal right. one, like one of the tall boys with the cow. Wow. Right. Crazy. Yeah, I have to stop drinking caffeine at like two, maybe three at the latest in the afternoon, or I can't go to sleep that night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's me nowadays. Right. And, and one of those, one of those kids, uh, before our lock-in, we had a lock-in for the confirmation kids. And like right as it was going, st- getting started, he goes, "Oh, this is awesome! I want some Mountain Dew." And he chugged like a half of a two-liter bottle <laughs> of uh, like root beer Mountain Dew, and then he threw up and went home. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to get out of class, I guess. <laughs> no, it was it was a lock-in. It was like a a fun thing. Oh, I don't know what a lock-in is. Apparently, oh, you don't know what a lock-in is. No, is that a Midwest thing? Maybe I don't know. Ah, uh, no, it's... no. Maybe you call it. Something to right. like okay, an all nighter or something like yeah, that. Yeah, where you and you, you uh, play games. You okay? Everybody, sh- all the youth group shows at the church at seven, and then they get at, picked up like at eight the next morning. Wow. Yeah. Do they bring sleeping they bags? And, yep. Okay. Yeah. Sleepover, but a lock in. Okay. Fair enough. Yep. We set up video games, hang out. I wish you do that. Of course, uh, I'd fall asleep at nine thirty p.m. Yeah. But you know, you know, <laughs> like I haven't had one in a few years because. I noticed when I first started doing them like 20 years ago, like I could catch up next day. I'd be fine. Now <laughs> it takes like four days to recover. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very good point. Usually the vicar gets put on that, on that duty. Oh, right. Well, I, usually the vicars are probably half my age too. <laughs> All right. So we're digressing and we're going to make, we do, we're going to, Peter's not going to edit a lot. So yeah, <laughs> no, it's okay. It's fine. The rambling. Just, just, let's just do a podcast. Let's just do a podcast. Let's just do it. Yep. Um, so, uh, um, my top 12 list is about, uh, the, uh, text. Do you want to do the, the text first? Or, you know, I might like just since while it's fresh to go to Hannah's email first and then we'll do the text and top 12 to, to mm. continue. Right on. Cause, uh, Hannah, uh, had uh, had a few questions, and then uh, she had uh, something about uh, your top 12 list. I kind of expected she would maybe <laughs> push back on some of my wild claims about nutrition and dieting and so forth, since that's her expert, expert uh, or her vocation, I understand. And, and then mine is just sort of what I did that worked, whether it was a good idea or not, I don't know, but it worked. So, yeah, Hannah sent us an email. Um, she has a question and then some, uh, some feedback. She talked about Vickers top 12. Um, so she says, first a question. I've been rolling it around in my brain for a while now and I can't seem to pin it down. So I'll just let it roll out and see what you make of it. 
Why do I get so uncomfortable when church leaders or Christians from other denominations start talking about uh, discipling or discipleship? One guy I was reading, John Mark Comer, said he preferred the term apprentice to follower of Jesus. I don't get it. Why don't Lutherans talk about following Jesus or discipling others? And she said later, um, add ministry to the list of words used by lay people that makes me uncomfortable. Ministry is <laughs> yeah. their word. All right. I'll, I'll answer those questions, but actually I want to get to, I want v- Vicar to, to kind of respond to the, her, and I'll, I'll get to those questions right after, but. Okay. So uh, she says, like I commented on the Facebook post, four out of five stars. Vickers said many things that a lot of dietitians before him have said. <laughs> However, I always cringe at the mention of diets, especially so at its placement at number one. Dieting as a lifestyle can be incredibly harmful to a person's emotional and physical health. I know a dieting lifestyle is not what Vicker was advocating, but because the formative phase of my training as a dietitian included nine weeks at an eating disorder clinic, I am super sensitive to the D word. <laughs> dieting. Dieting. <laughs> also, <laughs> <laughs> Close call. Also, given Vicker's back- background as a logical, efficient engineer, I'm not at all surprised that he didn't that he didn't delve into the emotional reasons that people might overeat. But this is th- but this was an obvious omission from my standpoint. Finally, I was so tickled to hear that Vicar used spreadsheets in his quest for a healthier lifestyle. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. I could go on, but the this is a th- theology podcast, not a nutrition one. Keep up the egg eating and weightlifting. All right. <laughs> hey, Sister Christ, you know I'm gonna listening in the kitchen, Hannah. Yeah. Wow, well I've been uh, put in my place, I think, but that's probably rightfully so. Yeah, I mean, is that something you notice, like the, uh, the emotional aspect that maybe? Yeah, I mean, I thought about it later. Actually, for this is rare. I actually listen to that podcast because usually, I once I participate in them, I, I don't go. You kind of know what them. we say, yeah. Yeah, I already know, but I decided to listen to it again and think about it, and and I did th- note that even to myself that wow, I presented a lot of uh, like an engineering diet, really, and I do, I am intentionally using the word diet, and I, I guess I have a little bit of an explanation for that. I worked for a city government, and one of the things about working for a municipal government, especially in the northwest of the United States, is the constant changing of words because maybe the word that you have been using, somebody's decided it's problematic. So what used to be the environment and environmentalism becomes sustainability, and what becomes you know, like a disabled, now you can't say that, you have to say otherly abled, and, and so forth. So it became resistant to ditching a word because somebody else thought it was problematic. So I made the conscious decision to stick to the word diet because it has a traditional meaning with, you know, weight loss and with being healthy. But there became a push I noticed in in the literature and probably from the experts like like Hannah to not use the word diet, but some kind of a healthy lifestyle wording instead so that you weren't going to have this event where you lost weight and then go back to your unhealthy lifestyle, but you were going to change your whole lifestyle over to being more healthy. That's a lot of words to say. So I kind of stubbornly decided I'm just going to call it a diet. Everybody kind of knows what I'm talking about. That's what I decided. But but I do know that, uh, that okay. it can be problematic. All right. Since it was my job in the last podcast to give theological understanding okay. and examples, <laughs> yeah. right? Right. Yeah, I, I will use this as an example to help you and Hannah communicate this to each other well. Okay. All right? It's kind of like a tent meeting, M- meaning this, okay? Uh, a lot of people 
when you think of diet, I'm going to go on a diet. I'm going to modify this, really get into it so I can get to a baseline or whatever. It's kind of like a, like a, like a tent meeting where you get all fired up. I'm going to go do the spiritual thing. Yeah. And it's not going to be really the main thing that's going to sustain me for a healthy life in the, in the future. Right. So right. it's kind of like, uh, you know, I'm going to have this big, you know, uh, spiritual thing that, that'll really get me going. I make a decision for Jesus. And then what happens two weeks, three weeks, a month later? I think that that is the, with a diet word, it kind of is like a tent meeting of food. Of <laughs> that makes sense? It, it does. I mean, especially since I went to you know uh, camp, summer camps as a Pentecostal teenager, and we'd all show up, and the, the grownups weren't there, so we could we could be wild, crazy Pentecostals without the grownups, and we did, and we felt all on fire for Jesus, and that we were gonna. Be, you how'd know, you how'd you feel a month later? Oh, it was like a week later. It was you know you look back and say, did that even happen? And the one kid that was a drug dealer went back to being a drug dealer, and like you know like <laughs> and everything seemed kind of the same, and it was kind of odd, you know, didn't last. So, and the reason I wanted to to have her her answer before what she said about the diet word, right? Yeah. I wanted to use that to springboard into because I don't know if Hannah actually realized it or not. She kind of, in some ways, answered her own question when it comes to uh, the words discipleship and ministry. Hmm. Because uh, discipleship, in many ways, is often a loaded word. So I, I don't have an issue with the idea of being called a disciple. Right, but what happens is, uh, even the reason why you and actually a lot of pastors have an aversion to that word discipleship, is that it has been used over and over again, in ways that aren't always helpful, like uh, training. This is how what you the steps you can do to be more like Christ, hmm. or. Um, and a lot of it, some of it can be based in God's word, but a lot of it can just be psychological, kind of like your dieting rules, but for, but for being a follower of Jesus. And uh, when you look at the word discipleship, it, it is often used more as a, in a pietistic way. Right. Um, training. This is, and it kind of can make laws in in ways that aren't necessarily found in scripture adding to God's law it can uh it, oftentimes it comes with some types of things that where it's some guy's opinion about this is how you attack this issue or this problem without actually uh, uh being biblical and it's and so it can confuse what it means to be a true disciple which disciples are made through baptism Jesus taught make disciples of all nations baptizing them and teaching them to serve all I've commanded you. So simple catechesis, we would say. (laughs) Um, So I would say the diversion comes from uh, often how that word has been used and and, uh, how it often means like a 12-step of Christianity. Not that I'm wrong with top 12 lists, (laughs) but where it's kind of an overemphasis. To me, it's kind of like... 
a Methodist, right? Mm. Methodist comes from this is a method that you do of becoming holy. Mm. That's where it came from. Okay. And so discipleship is often used in the same way. And so, Hannah, you have a natural aversion to that word and you don't know why. This could be part of it. Probably you have heard in your past many different uh, things of discipleship training or something like that that weren't always that helpful. Right. And uh, you've probably had pastors who would rather rather than talk about discipleship, which to me, it kind of is a made-up word. I don't know. Yeah. But... But I think uh, you've probably had pastors who'd rather use the word either catechesis, right? Yeah. You know, or simple Bible study. Yeah. Um, and so so that's one thing. Another thing that I would say might tend to happen with the word discipleship is that it can, in a sense, downplay the role of the sacraments. Because when we think of when, what, what often how the word discipleship is used— is the same type of language we would kind of think of when it comes to baptism. So discipleship is what well, we talk about baptism, your old Adam drowning. Yeah. You know, uh, repentance, forgiveness, drowning, you know, uh, your sins and sinful desires in the waters of your baptism by the grace of God uh, and, and living a new life in him. Uh, where ours is centered in baptism, the discipleship can tend to kind of, in a way, pull you away from that. Like, Okay, yeah, you might have the words, or you might have baptism, or you might have the Lord's Supper, but the real stuff is in this discipleship mm. thing. Yeah. And that, that's where I would have a, an aversion to it. And so because that there's a lot of those things kind of attached to that word, um, you know, I'm not, a, I'm, not, I'm not against being a disciple, but... right but how it's used. I mean, I think that we do discipleship without applying that word at all as Lutherans with the amount of Bible studies and the scholarly aspect of Lutheranism, uh, sending candidates right. to school, grad school for four years. I mean, so so I think we're doing it and we don't need to use right. the word. And, and, and I guess maybe part of it is, uh, you know, discipleship comes from like discipline. Yeah. You know, maybe that aspect I haven't really chewed on that too much, but right. So, so I guess that's to try to explain your own aversion to that, Hannah. That might be it, because uh, how often have you heard the word discipleship attached to something that's really, really good? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, probably attached to somebody's program that they're selling <laughs> for money. <laughs> so, but I'm not, I'm not just saying that there aren't those out there. Maybe there are. Okay, you know, but. That, that I think that explains the aversion because it's not Lutheran language and how we would normally use things like catechesis right. or or all those things. Which makes me wonder if the probably the Roman Catholics don't use it either then. They probably also use catechesis. I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. And the other the other word that she she mentioned is the word ministry. Yeah, that one's easy to pick on, I think, but you got a thought on that already? Yeah, I would say, I think there is a lot of, the word ministry also brings a lot of confusion. You know, ministry is ultimately uh, the work of administering, hmm. right? Okay. No, I hadn't made that connection before, but okay, I like it. So so if you're a minister, 
you're administering something. So, for example, the the Ministry of Defense are they're the ones that administer what defending? Yeah. Well, technically, probably attacking, but you know they call it defense. Right. Government doublespeak. <laughs> right. So that that's how they administer. The ministry administers. Okay. So if you're using the word ministry, the question then becomes, what are you administering? Now, uh, then this is why there's confusion around this world word because if you are administering. Pastors are ministers, right? That's one thing we call them. What are they as pastors administering? Word and sacrament. Right. (laughs) Baptizing, the Lord's Supper, uh, the preaching of the word, uh, uh, confession, absolution, all those things uh, is in that word, right? And so, so when we talk about the office of the holy ministry... We're talking about a holy administering of the holy things given by God. And a good, you know, I, I think Paul talks about this a little bit. If you read the first verse of the epistle reading, I think it's the first verse. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Stewards of the mysteries of God, right? Yep. So administering, being stewards of those things which God has given you. Very so, good. So when you look at the word ministry, it simply means to administer, the work of administering something. And that's where it becomes confusing because if you have, you could, using the proper use of the word, have a ministry of food, a food ministry. What are you doing? You're administering food to those who need food. Right. You could have a social welfare ministry, right? Where you are bringing funds, helping people heat their homes, maybe education programs on on how to be a good father and mother to people who need those type of things, all sorts of things that you could say a social program that is a ministry offering. Now, when you say then, is that a ministry of the church then it becomes confusing to people. Yeah. Are we talking about word and sacrament ministry that the that the church offers through the office of the holy ministry? And that's where people get confused. So certainly all the things that a church does are in support of the ministry, the uh, word and the sacrament, right? A lot to be. Right, right. And so... So a lot of the things that a church does is in support of the ministry, but is it ministry? If you're using it in terms of word and sacrament, or are you using it in terms of administering Christian love and care? Are you talking about evangelism? Are you administering the word? Well, what does that mean? Is that a ministry? Is it word and sacrament? Are you offering God's word? That That's... Mm-hmm. So... so you know, the, there was a, a book that if you ever, if you're not a pastor and you want to usually make your pastors cringe, I, I don't think every pastor rags on, but I don't think any of them who rags on it actually read the book. <laughs> Everyone a minister. Oh. <laughs> Why does that bother a pastor? Because it confuses mm-hmm. what are they administering? Who is administering? Yeah. And so 
that is Hannah, I think, part of the issue because there is great confusion on who is doing the administering and what they are administering. And are we talking about the office of the holy ministry? Are we just talking about someone administering something to someone? Right. And added to that confusion is in our own church body, we've in the LCMS, we have brought confusion for a long time. We have had uh, lay ministers. Oh, yeah. Okay. Where they were not pastors, but they were ministering word and sacrament ministry without a call, hmm. which is a problem. It is. Right? Yep. And so they've done certain things to correct, the, to correct that. But, uh, and that, that adds to confusion because if you just flippantly use the word ministry and, oh, okay, well, our evangelism committee administers, we have a ministry, we have a food ministry, we have a music ministry, we have all these ministries where we administer, okay, what are you administering? Mm-hmm. And because of that confusion, it didn't make, because the word ministry was thrown around so much, oh, and we have a lay ministry. And then people, oh, that sounds reasonable. We have a music ministry, right? Right. You know, we have a food ministry. Um, uh, And so that, I think part of that confusion allowed things like that to happen. Right. Um, And that's in Lutherans that are relatively specific with our language. And so you get out into the more evangelical world and they're, they're comfortable probably using that word in all those different ways without ever thinking they need to correct anything. Right. Right. And and it sounds nice too, right? Oh yeah. You know? Like who who's mad at oh we're our ministry. Oh, yeah. we're doing something, you know. Singles ministry. Yeah. Right. So Mothers what are somewhere. you administering? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and to whom and who's doing the ministering of what you're saying. So so are you saying then and, and here's the other side of that confusion then. If you're using it in those terms uh, if you have, for example, a singles ministry, okay, what are you administering? And is that word and sacrament ministry? That's where the, a lot of the confusion comes then, because what's going on? Hmm. Uh, this is why I think the Lutheran confessions get it right when they talk of, of ministry for the pastors. It uses a word in German, predigamt. Have you heard that word? I don't know that word. Okay. So if you go to uh, um, how the Lutheran confessions talk about it, it's really a preaching office. Okay. So it it kind of uh, uses a completely different word where there is a specific office of the pastor, the predigant, one who is called to preach and administer the sacraments. And so, because but because we have not properly brought that word into our English vernacular and how we talk about what a church does and what a pastor does, because we've slapped on the word ministry to cover all of it, right? It has brought confusion. And so, Hannah, that's why that whole word gives you issues, because you've heard a lot of things that are called ministry, which is not word and sacrament ministry administering those things where it's administering something else and you're thinking, well, this this isn't what a pastor does. This is more, yes, now you understand the confusion why you, some reason, don't want to use that word because you're not sure exactly what you mean. Right. So simply asking the, the questions, 
who's administering in the ministry and what other are they administering and to whom are they ministering? Administering to. Does that make sense? Yeah, it really does. So if you, if you just if you just take it down to that level, like a pastor, okay, he administers to whom? To his congregation, to his people. What does he? The the word and sacraments. And uh um and that is a really good understanding. And so when you use that and uh truth be told, um we do even church constitutions run into this. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh so we do have, for example, um you might have a church constitution that talks about rather than elders, they are a board of lay ministry. Oh no. Okay. Um, well, what does that mean? Elder? <laughs> yeah. I mean, truth be told, that's what it's, they're called in our constitution. Oh, okay. You know, and we just call them elders. <laughs> Which is another interesting word and whole other topic, because in the Bible, elders seem to mean pastor. In, right. In the New Testament. Right. So I imagine uh, when they changed the constitution, I don't know, maybe that was 30 years ago or so here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um uh, I probably there was a conscious effort and in, in that change to change it from because they had to have changed it from probably the board of elders to uh, the board of lay ministry. Got it. And to do so, there was I think a point probably to do that. Why? Well, I think uh, they wanted to the, probably an effort to say, and I, I do understand this point. And this is true. That uh, a lot that it's not just the pastor's work to be concerned about the people in the church; it's everyone's concerned, mm-hmm. right? So, for example, if uh, there is a if um, you have a lot of people who aren't who are uh, not coming to church, you know, you have a, a delinquent. I don't like the word delinquent, you know, but that that's what we're talking about, right? Got it. People say, "Oh, what is the the first place to go to?" Is pastor and certainly pastor should be doing things to reach out but it's not just the pastors right 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 it's the body of christ it's the body of christ you know if your pinky hurts mm-hmm. you know that affects everybody and that not only does it affect you you have something you know the people have ways of reaching and inviting to the to people that they're close with in ways that might more be more helpful right and so so I think that's probably the idea that uh, we're in this together. We're all working towards the same goal. We are all in the support of the ministry in terms of bringing Christ to people and the forgiveness of sins. But in doing so, you can confuse with that word who is doing the administering, yeah. what are they administering, and to whom are they administering. Well, I got to say, you rescued that word for me because I, I didn't have any... Uh, I didn't like that word, I guess I'll say either, just like Hannah, because it gets used so much inappropriately that I didn't think there was a way to use it uh, effectively. But with your clarifying that it's related to administering, I actually can see that word being helpful. Um, I know from my own experience, one of the words that was getting overused was engineer, because suddenly uh, people wanted to say, oh, a sanitation engineer, which is a person that 
picks up your garbage and takes it to the landfill, which is fine. I mean, it's nothing wrong with the vocation, but they, but they were overusing the word engineer and a domestic engineer used to be called a housewife. <laughs> and uh, so at least in the state that I'm from, the you couldn't call yourself an engineer unless you had a license. They, they, right. clamp, they clamp down on that. And, and you're like... All these people who do not have to pass Calculus 3. Yeah, they can't just use that title. But uh, <laughs> so Is that part of it, to be honest? Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, engineers are almost by definition kind of stuck up about it because we laughed at all the people that studied, you know, the, those liberal art majors and so forth. <laughs> we tease those guys because they couldn't get a job like we could. So, um, so that, that clears it up for you. It helps me a lot, actually. Yeah, so I'm glad she asked. And that's a good way to then talk about it when it does come up, like saying, you know, what is ministry and what is this? You know, that, that word is used here, and I haven't, in some ways, because of the Constitution, and I haven't really, because it hasn't been an issue of misunderstanding, I haven't super addressed it, you know. But but I think if you're in a situation where, where this is our ministry or whatever, and, and, and it's my lead to some places where as a pastor, you know, I'm not sure this is a good idea. So simply asking, okay, ministry, what does it mean? Right. What are you administering to whom? Right. And who's doing the administering? Very helpful. So hopefully that helps you, Hannah. <laughs> All right. Um, so uh, let's, uh, let's go read the text and I'll just go right into my top 12 list. All right. This is a reading from Matthew chapter 11. When John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in kings' houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. All right. Um, so as we look at this test text, uh, there's lots of things there, right? Yeah. You have the the age old question: How sincere was John? Did he really know, or did he do this right. for his disciples? Yeah, I've heard that lesson in seminary. That oh. that is a, one of the classic seminary discussions, isn't okay, it? Okay. Yeah. For, oh, did he really knew? He just wanted his disciples right. to hear more about it. That yeah. and uh, 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 what is the bread that in, oh, the bread of life. Yeah. Yeah. Is that about the sacrament or not? Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's another classic. Yeah. And I've heard professors take both sides of that pretty, right. pretty vociferously. <laughs> um, and so that, that's one thing. Uh, and to me, it really doesn't 
matter either way. Yeah, I suppose. Because, um, well, one, Jesus kind of takes it to mean that it was a little authentic because blessed are those who are not offended. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I would say this. John, Jesus was administering to John using, since we're, we're in that vein, what was he administering to John, the word of God? He was telling John, uh, giving all him everything that the Old Testament prophets said that the Messiah would do. Right. So he is essentially pointing John back to the word of God. Don't yeah. take all the things that you see or hear or the fact that you're stuck in prison. Don't let that get you twisted. Yeah. I am what God's word says I am. I am doing what God's word, what the prophets, what God said to the prophets, the, the, that uh, the, the one to come will do, I am doing. So he is hearkening back to the words of the prophets that John would knew, would know. I am doing what the prophets said I would be doing. So, which is a, a fascinating way, and this is actually not on my top 12 list, but <laughs> but so if you think about that, the proof for John was not what he saw necessarily. Okay. The proof was God's word. Right. God's word informed who Jesus was. And uh, as much as we like to, now he says what you see, yes, he couldn't see it. He was in jail. Yeah. So he had to trust God's word about that. Right. So this is what you see. Tell John, I am essentially fulfilling what the prophet said. I am the one. See, I'm fulfilling it. So Jesus points him to the word of God. That is how you know yeah. the word of God. Could you imagine how less effective it would be if he told the disciples of John like something like, you betcha, and sent them yeah. back, you know, like, yep, I'm the one. You bet. <laughs> it would not be very effective. By the way... uh, you, you probably didn't know this about me, but uh, I've kind of gotten away from this a little bit, is I like using the word you bet. Oh. And I can use you bet in a whole host of reason, ways, which will have a whole host of different... Mm. Sounds like a top 12 list in the future, maybe. A top 12 you bets? Yeah. And it drives my <laughs> wife crazy. She, Did you uh, take the trash out? You bet. And she's like... <laughs> Hmm. <laughs> is he? I'm not sure which you bet that is. Ah, is it? Yeah, it's like you should place a wager that I have, but you're not really saying that you did or you didn't. <laughs> right. Did I catch the inflection of sarcasm where he's mm. saying mm-hmm. he didn't, but he did, or is he saying you bet? I, yeah. of course, I did. Yeah, oh yeah. You're a double agent or a triple agent. Right. <laughs> right. Um. So, anyways, uh, the other thing is is you have a discussion of the righteousness of faith. And this is why, if John is the greatest born of woman, right? Right. And yet the least in the kingdom is greater than he, right? Yeah. So the righteousness that you have been, you are received by faith, the righteousness of Christ is greater than any kind of earthly righteousness we can have. So even as John is in prison, uh, the greatest one born of a woman that has been born 
Obviously, Jesus excludes himself. Well, I wondered. You don't think he's referring to himself as the least? I was curious about that, actually, if he was referring to himself as the least in the kingdom because he's the servant of all. Just a thought. Well, he's the least here on earth, but the greatest in the kingdom. Okay. Okay. I'm just curious because you know, I wonder Philippians because... 2, he, he humbled himself to death, and now that he is a name by which every knee shall bow. Right. Oh, definitely. King of kings, Lord of lords. Right. Definitely. Okay. So so the, the least, uh, even the least, uh, is the greatest. The least in the kingdom of, of God, the kingdom of heaven, because that is bearing the righteousness of Christ. Okay. So even John, even though he is the greatest born of woman, he still needs what? The righteousness of Christ. Yeah, that makes sense. He's well here on earth. He's the greatest ever, so right. to speak. And then, but, but every Christian in heaven is is greater yet. Right. Got it. Right. So even though he's great, right, right, greatest man born of woman, he still needs the righteousness of Christ. Right. So I have top twelve sermon. Now I don't really do always themes. But like I do ideas or directions, right? Okay. So I really do think each of these can at least start a discussion and and be a sermon. And now you might I might take one of these and it might morph in. I might bring more more than one of these points. Okay. Or one might be the main theme and the others will be brought in to support it. Oh, like a almost like an outline. Uh, don't yeah. Mm-hmm. As a thought, <laughs> a thought motion. Okay. Not an outline. Right. Now, remember, we learned last week, I'm not opposed to outlining some stuff, right? Right. If it clarifies the core message, then yes. it's worth doing. And that worked out very well in your sermon. Well, thank you. So. And it was, you know, an idea I was really proud of that you gave me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, <clears throat> of all the things you can be proud of, I think having me as your supervisor is top of the list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that sounds like one of your dedications, kind of. <laughs> I should make a dedication to myself. <laughs> What would you even say in your dedication to yourself? We'll think of something. <laughs> All right. Number I want to thank me for giving me the best yeah. <laughs> best yeah. uh, 49 years of my life. <laughs> oh, Actually, that would be funny, Peter. If you wanted to make a dedication to do a fake dedication as me for me, hmm. that would be pretty amazing. By the way, I want to offer this. Okay? If... You want to offer a gift on Patreon. Hmm. Uh, I would like to offer to do a dedication for someone of your choice. Ah, Holy that's cow. a good one, yeah. So we've already we've already said that we'll dedicate shows to people who are on Patreon. We've done that a few times. Right. But I mean like it's like if you want to give a Christmas gift to someone. Ooh. Right? For a gift for my my uh, dedicate. I know they're really dedicated to this show. Love this show. Uh, I would like for you to do do a dedication where I can obviously make jokes about them. Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, you can do that. Okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> for a nominal fee. Yeah. <laughs> it's for sale. <laughs> All right. Anyways, Peter, play the intro. Enough nonsense. It's time for Bullhagen's top twelve. All right, these are top 12 sermon ideas. Oh, by the way, oh, I'm, I'm full ADHD. 
but uh, we'll, we'll we'll get where they can get a hold of us to do that later. Okay. All right, no problem. Number twelve. He does not care about uh, John the Baptist. Does not care about the consequences about preaching God's word. Only preaching God's word. As you as you think about John, yeah, he has he has a message to the, the church, right? Right. We get so concerned about how people might be offended, right? How people are going to take it, uh, you know how uh, pe- we want ev- we want to be everyone's friends. We want everyone to have a positive image of our congregation, our church, especially in a small town. All those things, right? And along comes John, who doesn't care about any of that. He does not care about public opinion. He doesn't care about uh, uh, how people look at him or consider him. He only cares about God's word, so much so that he is thrown in jail, which is why he's in jail, because he simply did not care about all the things we care about. He only cared about God's word and preaching God's word. And what does Jesus say about him? He's the greatest. So so what what the world would see as a least, John, so that that is a lesson— are you okay, Vicar? You I'm look sorry, a I, had my, I am distracted. My phone, I promise, it was on Do Not Disturb, but somehow it wasn't. So now it really is. Uh, those pixels. <laughs> They're awesome. Oh, Peter doesn't like his pixel. No, I'm, I think I'm going to go Samsung next time. Ugh. I like the purity of the Google experience. They control I used the, to. Yeah. I used to, and then the hardware got bad. Okay, well, which one do you have, out of curiosity? I have the 6. Really? I have a... I guess I have the 6A. But, uh, Maybe the 6A got better. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's technically the budget model compared to the to the flagship 6, but... I come across a lot of performance issues and glitches to the point where I've, I've actually turned off animations on my phone. Wow. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah, I don't have any issues with mine. I'm so, like, if you see, okay. like, a loading bar, a loading circle that, like, spins around, it just shows the first frame of the loading circle. It doesn't actually spin. Did you do something weird to yours, like put in a different bootloader or something odd? No, like that? I haven't no? done anything to mine. Okay, okay. I I love mine so far. So, and I've had the Nexus Six, and I think I had the Four even. So before they were even called Pixels, I had the Google phones. Yeah, yeah. I've been. I had the Four XL, and I had the Five. Okay. So I've been. I've been with them for a while. Oh, now his is making noise. It's funny. So. uh... That was, I think we can all agree, though, that the Windows phone was the greatest. Yeah, I knew somebody that bought one of those. Oh, I loved mine. Yeah, you, you know somebody right now. Oh, okay, oh, I know somebody else. <laughs> I remember the brick, Pete? Oh, drove you guys I, crazy. I remember. <laughs> I remember buying you another one because you broke the first one. Right. That's funny. A friend of mine at work had the Microsoft Zune, which oh. was the iPod competitor. Oh, I have. So you're, you're speaking. I, that's what, that was my gateway into the Windows phone. <laughs> oh, the live tiles? You kidding me? <laughs> you know what I could do on that Zune? It had a radio. Tra- it had a radio. Yeah, FM radio built into it. Yeah, and uh, and so if you heard a song while listening to it on the radio, and it, by the way, it had a high definition radio, which sounded amazing. Oh, cool! If you if you heard a song that you liked on the radio, because the radio would tag the song, one click of the button, it would download through the Zune marketplace. Oh, okay. To your library. So yeah. if you're listening to it, oh, I like that song. Boom. I own that song. Wow. I, I don't know how Microsoft managed to mess that up, but it had to do with like 
them trying to be cool, but they couldn't manage it. And they, their slogan was, welcome to the social. That was the Zune slogan. Welcome right. to the the social, whatever that means. So, what do you know? <laughs> Didn't work. I, I love my Zune and I love my Windows phone. Anyways, <laughs> that's because I'm old. Number 11. Even John needed to be reassured by God's word. Yeah. So, what what is the point behind that, Vicar? Like, if anyone is sitting in the pews thinking that, oh, oh, I'm, I'm cool. I don't need to really hear God's word. Right. Like, if you're human, you're going to struggle and you're going to need to hear it. Right. Unless you're greater than John, which I assume you're not, <laughs> you need to be reassured by God's word and hear God's word and hear from the voice of Christ. He is the one that God said he was. He is the one who is our Savior. He is the one that did those things. So, unless you're greater than John, uh, you might want to make it a habit of hearing God's word and receiving forgiveness and uh, and looking to Christ. Was your righteousness? That's a good point. Number ten, um, and this is a then this could want to be where this could be a main point that I dovetail eleven off of, or I could make eleven the main point. I could dovetail this off of. Okay. If you take God's word seriously, you will have questions. Mm, and, I like it. And rather than leave those questions, address them with Christ. So, yeah. so John had his questions, right? Are you the one? Because he's in prison, right? And uh, he's, he believed that the God's word that God gave him to speak, the kingdom of God is at hand. He's not seeing the kingdom yet. Yeah. Um, so, so he wrestled with this. And what did he do? He, he had Christ answer the question. Yeah. And because we have Christ's words, when you wrestle with your questions, and if you, unless you're greater than... Greater than John, right? You're gonna have questions. What did John do? He went to the source. Rather than just leave those questions out in the open, rattling around in his brain, right? Um, and by the way, that actually happens a lot. That uh, people in their last few days or weeks or months, where where uh, they often will come to the pastor and. That happened recently where they rattle things around. They're like, I just want to make sure like hmm. all my boxes are closed here. Right. You know, um, but you're going to be human. If you take God's words seriously, you're going to have questions about how you see the world and how God's word says you should see the world. Hmm. They may not seem like they're always lining up. So what do you do? You go to Christ. You go to his word. What does he say? And just what Jesus did. He said, okay, what did the prophets say? This is what I'm doing. This is what prophets said. See, it all holds together. So you will have questions. You will have struggles. But do what John did. Uh, go to Christ for those. Right on. Do you think he misunderstood what the Messiah was going to do? Like some of the... I've always thought that the contemporaries of Jesus that didn't believe in him because they was partly because they were waiting for a more like a political king to take over. The, do you think John was thinking that as well, out of curiosity? I know it's speculative. Um, I don't know. Okay. Me I mean, neither. I mean, it shouldn't like if John, which I think he did, understood himself as the last of the Old Testament prophets. Yeah. Right. He knew how the Old Testament prophets ended. Mm, good point. Right. I mean, it's kind of like uh, um. 
It's, I would say this is a weird reference, which I'm a master at. Mm-hmm. Do you ever watch the movie Dumb and Dumber? Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. So at the end of the movie, <laughs> the very, very end, they, they may, obviously they've made dumb decisions the whole, whole time, right? And at the very end, they need a ride. <laughs> yes. From like the Swedish bikini team. That's right. The, right? Yep. And uh, so like... In one way, you'd say, "Oh, what a what a funny ending!" They go go off with a swimming team or the swimsuit team, right? I'm like, I'm not sure what they're competing for. I don't either. Doesn't matter. It didn't for the joke either, <laughs> right? And uh, but uh, it would have been out of character for them to actually go with them, right? Yeah, to understand and and get right, to make a good choice there, right? And they said no, right? Yeah, because. Well, that was that was in line with, with their being dumb and dumber, right? So, my point is, is John the Baptist, the the prophet, it would have been kind of out of character for any other way for him to go out than as he did. Yeah. Um. So interesting. So that makes me think he understood that his days were numbered because. That's what happened to all the prophets right. before him. I'm sure that's what you were alluding right. to. Right now, I'm just saying the quiet. Yeah, it's kind of like when I talked to, talked of uh, people in their last moments of life. Mm-hmm. The devil's going to work on them. The devil's going to bring everything in their mind why they shouldn't be in the kingdom of heaven. Right. And that's why pastors are important in the process to make sure that they answer that you answer those and you address those and tell them this is what's going to happen. The devil is tr- going to try and and give you every reason why you shouldn't be an eternal child of God. So this is remember what God's word says. Right. Uh, John probably knowing his days were numbered uh, had this rolling around in his head. So maybe I'm leaning toward it being gen- genuine and not just him in a way handing off his disciples to Jesus. Right. So that's kind of the way I think of it, and maybe that's informed by just how I know people are. Right. That makes good in their sense. last their last days. Number nine. John, the greatest born of woman, still must bear the cross. Yeah. So how does this answer for the question? Why did this happen to me? Hmm. Are you greater than John? <laughs> Not lately. <laughs> so, so even even John had to bear the cross. He's in prison, right? And in the midst of his bearing the cross, he needed to hear mm-hmm. God's word. Number eight. Great John is not Jesus, right? <laughs> and and uh, th- th- this is the, the very humbling thing, right? Yeah. You know, as great as he is, there, there, there's a stark difference between Christ and John here, right? And uh, and uh, John is one of us, mm-hmm. and so well, however we think we're great, there there is a, a very very stark difference here. Yeah, it makes me think about the way John was often compared to Elijah by Scripture too. Mm-hmm. And what did Elijah do when Jezebel threatened his life? He panicked and he ran and he hid, even though he was a, a great prophet that met Jesus up on right. the Mount Transfiguration. He was still a human. Right. Number seven. Number seven. And 
actually, this is where I, I find interesting. I think I might go this way. Okay. Yes, Peter still has a podcast to edit. I still have a sermon to finish. Right. But it's been one of those weeks. I come by that honestly this week. Yeah, you do. <laughs> um, and and so this is how I, I might go this way. Tell me what you think. And I don't really have a sentence for it yet. Okay. But how about a sermon comparing the infant unborn John to the John in prison? Just doing that. John, who mm-hmm. in his mother's womb left for joy in the presence of Christ. Yeah. Filled with the Holy Spirit, faith in its purest form, without question, just leaping for joy in his mother's womb. Right. Uh, compared to John many years later in prison, right? Yeah. And it's still a young man, really. He's probably, what, 30, 32, 33? Yeah, like that. You know, this about the, a little older than Jesus. <laughs> just a very little. Right. Um, and, and making a comparison of, you could make about child faith, what is faith, how the Holy Spirit provides that clear form of faith in John as an infant, uh, talk about infant baptism. It gives you a chance to, um, to see, uh, I, I haven't completely teased that out yet, but I think. But there are there are also even physical similarities, right? He's locked in prison. Yeah, you know, he is a kind of a pawn. You know, he doesn't have a lot of say in where he's what was happening to him. Right. Just like, you know, being in a, in the in the womb, set apart even at that age. I, there's a lot there I haven't quite teased out yet. Yeah, but no, I think it's interesting though. No, I haven't gotten the completely to the. Uh, because I, I like that, and I'm kind of thinking about there's 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 some interesting points that I haven't found yet. Uh, the question that I always ask you is when you're writing a sermon and working on a sermon that is, so what you know what is a so you got these great ideas. What does the person in the pew need right. to hear from this? Exactly. I haven't quite gotten there. I know it's there, yeah, but I haven't gotten there yet. But right. So as at the moment, it sounds like a great winkle discussion or something, but. Can you can it be a sermon message? Is kind of the, you know, yeah, where you're trying to figure it out, right? I think there are some very interesting points, mm-hmm. theological points that could be made by comparing comparing John leaping in his mother's womb and John in pain, yeah, in prison. It's very interesting. The word helpless comes to mind, right? Yeah, so. Uh, listeners, if you're interested in what what direction I actually went with that, uh, where can they get a hold of us, Vicar? Ah, we can be reached by email, feedback at clericalerrors.org. On Facebook, look up Clerical Errors Podcast. And on Twitter, we have the handle at clericalerrorsp. P for podcast, bro. Yeah. And we do have a Patreon if you wish to uh, help us make this show and have good audio equipment to do so. And if you and if you want to uh, have a dedication, let yeah. us know. Number six. I'm gonna I'm gonna combine these two because I realize I put two number sixes down. <laughs> <laughs> it's like his favorite number. <laughs> I wondered, did we ever have a a ten? <laughs> but I wasn't sure. Yeah. If you take God's word seriously, you have questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. So, 
uh, which will be easy because the kingdom of God is in both hands. Repeat, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, John's message. Right. Right? And you could include that with for him. Right? For himself, like he was speaking to himself? Is that what you mean? Meaning that the soon his, he, you know, his life will be ending. Oh, yeah, definitely. Right? And and the, and the And if you're going to preach with about John the Baptist, you're going to have to preach some his message too. You can't you can't separate John the Baptist from his message. Right. Repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. And behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Right. Right. And then uh, uh, I'll tie that with number the other number six I have, and that is uh, the kingdom of God suffers violence. Now Jesus talks about that a little later. It's oh, not... I really want to hear this one. I got to say because I I've never really understood that verse about. The people force themselves in like that. Yeah, I, I would put it this way: um, the king. You don't get the kingdom of God by force. No, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, we can't do that. Uh, now people try to squelch the kingdom of God by force. Right. So that's what they're trying to do with John the Baptist. Uh, but okay. like Peter, the night when Jesus was arrested, he was going to protect the kingdom with his sword. Yep. Right. That's not going to work. How does the kingdom of God do it? Well, Jesus did it by being the victim. Right. And and in that, sending his Holy Spirit, changing hearts and minds. This is why the word is much mightier than the yeah, sword. Yeah, the sword, yeah. Um, and that's what that's what Islam has wrong. Yeah. Is is there we're going to build a kingdom by mm-hmm. force. And uh that that's not that's not how Christ now his judgment will be by force. Oh yeah. But the kingdom, how you build a kingdom in this sinful world is not by force. It's by by his word. Right. By, by Christ himself being the victim, by bearing the cross. Yeah. And and so so you can't maybe he was saying, John, I'm not gonna to get the kingdom that way. Yeah. I'm not gonna bust you out of prison. Right. I'm not going to do all those things that that you might want me to do. I'm not going to build a kingdom the way my disciples want me to do it. Right. Does that answer your question? Yeah. I mean, I need to go look at that some more, but that's a that's a new angle on it that I can look at. So thank you. Number five. Number five will be preached. You can preach this text in in light of the Old Testament lesson, which is which is one of the more beautiful Old Testament readings that you have all year. Comfort, comfort. Yeah, my people, and uh, where well, what I find interesting about the from Isaiah forty, the Old Testament reading, is it's talking about comfort, you know, and uh, it's talking about I'm gonna grab it in front of me here, speaking tenderly to Jerusalem. Your warfare has ended, your iniquity has pardoned. All these wonderful things, and it even references in the Old Testament John the Baptist. Uh. In the wilderness prepares a way for the Lord. So yeah, in those sweet words of comfort, it even mentions John the Baptist. Yeah. Now, now here's the confusion then, right? If Jesus is preaching comfort, comfort, and even uses the voice of John the Baptist, hmm. John is not experiencing comfort. Not yet. But he does what we've, we've talked about prophets do. We had the discussion. Prophets understand the what God's word and says will come so profoundly 
as though it is a real thing for them today. Right. So as Isaiah preaches through God's word, by God's command, comfort, comfort my people, that's not a comfort Isaiah is going to enjoy in his earthly life. It's not a comfort John the Baptist will enjoy in his earthly life. It is a comfort that comes eternally. Yeah. And so that's, that's because I've always, I've, I've always wrestled with this. Like how, how can all these prophets and how can all these people talk about, take such hope in things that they won't see? They won't be a part of when it comes to the f- actual fulfillment. And that's why I kind of think, think of, of the, the, the Jewish faith to this day where they're still waiting for right. this kingdom. Like, like, how do you take hope in all sorts of things that won't, you haven't seen happen? Yeah. You know, you're, you keep on fighting for a generation yet to come without understanding always the eternity and the eternal kingdom. And placing all your hope in a, a, a physical kingdom that will, you, you if you don't see in your lifetime, like, what's the point? Yeah. You know, but here Isaiah can preach comfort. And it brings Isaiah comfort because it's real for him that very day. Because God said so. God is going to send the Christ. He's going to send a messenger to prepare the way. And take that then to our gospel reading where John needs to be comforted. Yeah, he does. He needs to be comforted uh, and to say, okay, now you won't, your whole life was for this kingdom. You won't see in your earthly life the fruitions. He's like uh, Moses. Yeah, good comparison. Right? Yep. Why Why did I say, can you explain that to the listener? Why? I, I can. We just had that lesson this past week in my, in my confirmation class that uh, Moses gets to the ripe old age of 120 and he's been in the wilderness for 40 years with the children of Israel, the descendants of Jacob out of Egypt. And they stay 40 years in the wilderness uh, as sort of a punishment because they wouldn't, they wouldn't stay faithful to the one true God. And in the end, Moses also commits a sin against God and is his, his cross to bear his punishment is that he will not go into the promised land either. And he must die just shy of getting there. Um, so in that way, John the Baptist is similar. Uh, he lives right up to the time of Jesus. He gets to see the promised land, so to speak. He gets to see Jesus, but but passes away through martyrdom prior to Jesus uh, coming into his kingdom by being crucified right. and resurrected. And that that's also goes to uh, to the whole idea, okay, he's a prophet. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, and I suppose, yeah, if you're an Old Testament <laughs> prophet that just happened to make it into the first pages of the New Testament— you got to die like an Old Testament prophet. Number four. As Jesus points to the least of the kingdom of God, we are taught that we receive the kingdom of God by grace. And I made that point earlier, right? Yeah. So I don't need to necessarily elaborate that. but It's if, the other side of the coin, though. You can't have it by force, so you have it by grace. By grace. And, and uh, even John the Baptist, the greatest of those born of women, how does he receive it? By, by grace. By yeah. grace. Number three, good news overwhelms bad news. Yeah, you know, yeah, that, that's what that's what's what's going on, right? It is. John's life is all bad news at that point, right? Yeah. No one would want to be in his position. I mean, you know, uh, uh, his prison situation must have been pretty bad. Yeah, I don't imagine first century prisons were very pleasant. And uh, um, here. Uh, 
he has given his life to the word, not caring of what what consequences it brings, and he finds himself in the midst of those consequences. Yeah. Um, and uh, the good news of who Jesus is overwhelms the bad news. And this, you could also then include things like uh, look ahead to Luke 2. What do the angels say? Good news. Mm-hmm. I bring joy, glad, like glad tidings of good news that will yeah. be a great joy for all the people. Right. That good news, what does it do? It overwhelms and overpowers the bad news. So that that would be an easy one, easy sermon to preach that as a theme. Yeah, it's a very gospel theme. Number two. What did you come to see and hear? That's an interesting one. Now, now it could also then kind of dovetail with with the other point about uh, number twelve, how John doesn't care about the consequences, right? You know, but why are you here? To me, this is could be a sermon on how to hear sermons, how to listen to God's word, and you've noticed this is one of my things I'm I've been kind of emphasizing, and I've been talking about the podcast too, of of allowing God's word to actually change your mind, right? Yep. You know, and that what you do in church is not just confirmation bias of, mm. well, I go to that church because I agree with that church, but to go as a as someone who is willing to have a change in opinion and realize that God's word is greater than my own will, yeah. and uh, and so when you hear God's word and it offends you, well, what do you expect? It's God's <laughs> word. Yeah. If 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 uh, you are offended by by how your life is going, you know, well, what did you expect? Mm. Um, if uh, if you're going to church and uh, and you get upset and you say, I haven't gotten anything out of church today, well, what did you expect? What were you looking for that wasn't fulfilled? Did Christ not give you His body and blood? Did He not yeah. speak His word? Did He not forgive you your sins? What did you want? Mm. So. So that that also could be, I think, a very interesting sermon. I, that portion of the reading is so interesting because I think Jesus is employing maybe sarcasm when he says, did you go out in the wilderness to see a reed shaken by the wind? I'm curious if that was a phrase back then. Like, it's that's utterly trivial. Of course, they didn't go out into the wilderness to see something trivial. Right. They went to go see something significant. Yeah, I think when he, when he says that, he's saying like something that just, that kind of, doesn't stand for anything, you know? Yeah, okay, yeah. It doesn't you know, it's wavering, yeah. yeah. Go with the, wherever the wind goes, you go. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. Um, which was not John. Right, no, he was definitely counterculture. Right, so so that, that could easily be a sermon. Yeah. And number one. Jesus is the one. He is the one who fulfills God's word. He right. is the one who did all those things. He is the one that performed those miracles, and they really are miracles. I think I might have preached this sermon in this way before, that uh, sometimes we might overuse the word miracle, that yeah. the miracles that Jesus did were really miracles. You know, that's, you know when, uh, when, when critics uh, discount God's word because, well, we've never seen miracles happen, right? We, don't, we can't observe those. Right. Obviously... It didn't happen for these reasons. Obviously, we know, you know, you can't go against the law of science and nature. 
but isn't that what a miracle is? <laughs> right, it is. I mean, I think they're pretty rare, and then we read the Bible and they don't seem rare, but we're reading like thousands of years of history mm-hmm. all compiled together. Right. right, but that's what makes it a miracle. Right, the rarity is right. how it's a miracle. Like, if you saw it all the time, it wouldn't be... right. A miracle, right? Of course. If there was something, if it was something that no one else could do, well, then perhaps maybe it's the Christ doing those things. Yeah. So, so this would be more, I would say, of an encouragement in the faith of of teaching and proclaiming uh, that Jesus, yes, Jesus is the Savior. This is how we know. This is what He right. did. Um, kind of like uh, the funeral sermon I preached a week ago, where where I clearly delineated, this is how we know Joyce is in the kingdom of heaven. This is what God said. You heard what God said. This is how we know. And this is what God promised. Um, So to do it in in such a way, it says, yes, he is the one who can save you from your sin. He is the one who fulfills the promises. He is the one who shines the light in the darkness. And I think that, could easily. So which which right. which direction if you had to preach on short notice, which one do you think? <laughs> oh, let's see. I would I think I like the one where we and this is probably because this has come up as in my vicarage lately with people that in our parish that have died lately. The one where John knew he was at the end of his life and he wanted to hear the gospel, wanted the reassurance that he hadn't made an, a judgment error. You know, I thought that was interesting to, to point out that, like, even John the Baptist, the greatest among people ever born of women, also needs the Word of God. So I, I like that one a lot. All right. Well, we should end it here. Yeah, we've, we've gone a long time. I don't know if Peter's still awake. Are you awake, Pete? I'm awake. I'm awake. Oh, okay. Okay. I've been, <laughs> uh, I've been, uh, you know how you can, like, I know Bullhagen does this. You, be, uh, you, play a, you play a little game on your phone so you can pay attention. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I guess, I guess I don't do that. I think maybe Heather does or Mrs. Vicker. Sorry. <laughs> so I've been. Uh, playing that's how I. That's Vampire how I listen Survivors. to the podcasts. Yeah. So I'm playing Vampire Survivors during this uh, during this podcast. <laughs> it is a very fun game. Well, that that was an honorable mention of uh, sermon themes about. Uh, uh, I don't know. All right. <laughs> We've said too much. We have. I am Bullhagen. This is Vicar. And may your discipleship be catechesis, and may your minister administer the word and sacrament. Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast. On Twitter, at P for podcast, or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time.